0: Yeah.
1: That family, they probably tried their best with this man, this young man. They probably tried to do everything they can. But you know, do you know? Let me ask you guys a question. I, I want some response on this. Do you know evil is tricky? Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> I mean, ask Eve, right? Evil is tricky. You know, the devil will often bribe you with something innocent at first. You know, like, a, like Halloween, like a movie, like whatever. Something little to draw you in. And then what does he do? He lies you and tells you, you can handle that. You can handle that one drink. You can handle that hit off that bong. You can handle whatever it is. Just the one time, you can handle it. You're the one. You're the one who can handle it. He'll lie to you. He'll whisper in your ears, go ahead, he says. You know, you'll be fine. And he'll often use our flesh to lure us in. Some desire we might have or proclivity to a certain sin or temptation. And that's what he'll use. He'll use our own pride to draw us in. And then he'll lie to us. Go ahead, he says. Go go ahead, you can handle it. And before we know it, though, we're bound. We are the ones in chains to our sin. And we don't even realize how we got there. And while Christians may not be able to be possessed, we can certainly be oppressed by what we approve of in our lives. And we begin then to hate our actions. If you've ever been there, you know, you begin to loathe yourself, you begin to hate yourself, and you don't feel like you can do anything for God, and you're just miserable, because that's what the enemy does. He lies to you, he tells you it's okay, he tricks you into the sin, and then what's he do? He bombards you with shame and guilt and tells you you're worthless, and God doesn't love you. That's the trick of the enemy. And if that's the first time you've ever heard that, well, praise God, now you know. That's what he does. He tricks you into sin, and then he makes you feel horrible for doing it. But you need to know something. The creator of the universe loves you. He loves you so much that he became a man, Emmanuel, and he died for you. So don't believe the lies of the enemy that you're not good Well, here's the thing. None of us are good enough, and that's okay. But don't let the enemy tell you that you're worthless and that God doesn't want anything to do with you. That's contrary to the scripture. Your king, your God, your creator loves you. He so loved you. That he sent his only begotten son. He so loved you that he bled and died on a cross and took your sins for you. So don't believe the enemy when he tells you you're worthless. Stop it. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. He's for you. Your king is for you. Your God is for you. He's not against you. He'll correct you, but that's because he loves you. But every time in my own life when I've failed miserably, when I'm just so down and I feel so horrible, and I go before my king, before my Lord, every single time without fail, he's gentle. Go to your Lord. It doesn't matter how bad you fail. Go to your king. Fall at his feet. But look at this. This verse verse 5 tells us this man, he was miserable in his sin. He was miserable. Mark 5.5 says this, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Wow. You know, people who are possessed or even oppressed, we see this a lot in Christian counseling, they will often cut themselves. They're called cutters. You know, I don't call him that, but that's, generally speaking, I saw this heartbreaking thing with this young man. He was just like 19 at the time. And he was obviously possessed, or at the very least, massively oppressed. And he was believing all the lies of the enemy, and he was joining, you know, the occult and being part of the occult. And he felt like he wanted to look like a demon. He had his tongue split in half, like a snake. He had all these piercings and everything. He had uh, demonic tattoos put all over his face and his head and his whole body. Including uh, Baphometh, with, I won't go into all that, but also a pentagram. And then he had under his skin, he had these implants that were horns, these, these things pl- implanted under his skin and all over his head. And he literally looked like a demon from hell, what we'd picture. And I just think how heartbreaking, because I think about his parents. And I think about their hopes and dreams for him. And then this young man, and it's like you look at him, and people go, Look at that, I don't even want And my heart breaks, and I, I just want to go talk to him. I want to find him and say, Do you know? Let me talk to you about Jesus, and I'm sure people have tried, but look, we should keep trying. And it just breaks my heart because we see this in our society now. And let me tell you why. This is another secret about demonic activity. Let me tell you why we're seeing a lot of this cutting up and destroying of of the appearance of people. In the beginning, we know God created the heavens and the earth, but then what did He do? His crowning jewel of creation He created Him male and female, He created them in His own image. You are the image of God. We are created in the image of God and the enemy, Satan, and all the demons hate that. They don't like the appearance we have because we are the image of God. And they want to destroy it in every way. They want to destroy our souls and they want to destroy our appearance. They want to take us and tear us apart. Don't fall for the lies of the enemy because they hate you. you. You don't be fooled when, you know, evil comes to your door and says, Hey, I'm palatable. I'm good for you. It's a trick. It's a lie from the enemy. And we see all of this, but then notice this, this demonic man's reaction to Jesus. Verses 6 and 7. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. But then in verse 8, I want us to read this, because verse 8 explains why this man reacted. It's kind of reversed in the language. But we find out that Jesus actually spoke to him first. He says this, verse eight, for he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. So that's why this unclean spirit reacted the way he did. And then look at verse seven. He's imploring Jesus by God that you do not torment me. Do you understand? A demon is calling on the mercy of God. Remember who their creator is. They know it. But understand this, James tells us in James chapter two, it tells us that that, uh, the demons believe and they tremble. They know. And yet, how many people walk around in such pride and arrogance and they don't even fear the God of the universe? But this demon did. At least this, the spokesman, which we're going to find out there were thousands of demons in this man. But the spokesman for these demons, he feared God. And he implored him, by the mercy of God, that he would have uh, mercy on them, on demons. And that's just remarkable to me. But, you know, this is the other thing I want to tell us is that, you know, sometimes we get confused because we see these false teachers out there seemingly being blessed. You know, and they have false doctrine and a doctrine of demons. You know, mostly trying to milk people for their money and they're charlatans and they're lying through their teeth. And this is how they can do it. Because we see even in verse 5, these demons worship Jesus. Do you understand that? They're still going to hell, and they worshipped him because they had to. They had to bend their knee. But don't be confused when you see these demonic doctrines and these false teachers out there proclaiming the name of Jesus and claiming they worship him. Satan all day long has no problem saying those things as long as it benefits him. Demons have no problem saying those things as long as it's for their benefit because that's what they're doing here. They're trying to get his favor. So don't be fooled. And without getting too weird, just understand this. You know, demonic oppression and possession still happens today. It still happens. And I have to tell you, I've seen it firsthand. And it's no joke. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. When you see true demonic possession, you know it. I've seen so many fake things, okay? And you usually can discern those too. But I've seen the real thing. And when you see it, it's not pretty. And when you see it, it doesn't look good, it doesn't sound good, it doesn't smell good. It's evil, it's horrible, it's wicked, but it still happens today. But I also want to give a warning, because there's two camps we should never be a part of. We shouldn't be part of the camp that sees a demon behind every rock and we're so infatuated with it, we concentrate on it too much. That's one camp we should never be part of. Don't focus on demonic activity, focus on your king. As those things come up, you know, we call on Jesus to help us. But then don't also ignore it and say they don't exist. Satan would love to have you in either one of those camps. To focus on him all the time or to totally ignore him. Don't do either. Have balance in your life in every area. But I want to make this clear because I, sometimes I get this question. True born-again believers, true Christians cannot be demon-possessed because there's no room at the inn. Do you understand? You're already occupied. You have the Spirit of Christ living in you. Your body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit of Christ is living in you. There's no room. However, Christians can certainly be demon oppressed by what we allow, by what we invite into our lives. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't give the enemy a foothold or a stronghold. Through our own bitterness, or through our own pride, or through whatever sin we struggle with. It's often said, you know, that we need to have small lists with God. In the sense that, be quick to repent. We're all going to fail at times, but be quick to repent. Don't let the enemy have a foothold. Don't let him have a stronghold in your life. Guard your faith. But then look at this in verse 9. Because Jesus is going to show us some of his authority, building up to something else. Verse 9, then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion for we are many. Wow. Now some claim this is the demons trying to get tough with Jesus. Well, we're legion, we're many, so don't mess with us. That's nonsense. This demon had to tell Jesus because Jesus said, what is your name? Understand, he's their creator. They know this. They're not trying to get tough with their creator. Could you imagine? It's like us. I've often said, you've heard this example, you know, the the Milky Way galaxy is 140 million light years across or whatever it is. That means that at 186,000 miles per second, light would take 140 million years to go across the Milky Way galaxy. And we now know that the Milky Way is just one of billions and trillions of galaxies. Think about, just think about that. Your mind can't comprehend. And yet the Bible says God measures it with the span of His hand. And so I always think about this when we're, you know, yelling at God, shaking our little fist. Just put it in perspective, okay? Well, it's the same with these demons it doesn't matter how many demons are there they're afraid of him because he's their creator he holds everything in the palm of his hand but understand when they say that they're legion I don't think Jesus did this for his own benefit I think he did it for the disciples and for you and me so we would understand a little bit of the authority Jesus has they say they're legion do you understand a Roman legion was up to 6,000 soldiers this could be up to 6,000 demons And I think Jesus made them say that and expose that so He could show us just how powerful He was. That just with His words, He commands them.
0: This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.
1: Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m., and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A-Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.